Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sean Kelly is the voice of college football and basketball on ESPN Radio. He's a native of St. Louis. And Michelle Smallman, I have uh, I have not spoken to Sean Kelly in too long a time. He's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Carriker and Smallman. And uh, Mr. Kelly, first of all, great to have you on our airwaves. And uh, secondarily, uh, my apologies, man. It's been a long time. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's great to hear your voice, Randy. And Michelle, hi. Good morning to you, too. Yes, great to talk to you. How have you been? It's been too long for both of us. I know it's been a long time uh, and it's been super busy here of late, uh, <laughs> but that comes with the job. So all good and uh, and miss home in a big, ba- bad way. And unfortunately, I've been able to get back there as well for a while as too. So uh, all things considered, it's great to have a little reunion here today. Yeah, it's great. Sean, you had a chance to see both Alabama and Georgia extensively this past season and over the years as the voice of college football on ESPN radio. Georgia, two-and-a-half-point favorite going into tonight's game. Do you think that's accurate? Would you pick them to win? I do do now. I I tell you what, when I I did the Cotton Bowl, so I had Alabama versus Cincinnati, and after watching Alabama in that game and then saw kind of the early line between Georgia and Alabama, I was a bit surprised because I I just thought that Alabama had looked so good and had, had looked so good for the last six weeks of the, of the season. Um, but now, after kind of studying the game tonight a little bit more, maybe I'm not as surprised as I was. And I think there are a few things that Georgia can do differently in this matchup than, say, what they did against Alabama in the SEC championship game. So I, I do agree with the line that it will be very close. But I, am, I just don't have the stomach. I don't like losing at anything, cornhole, baseball, whatever. <laughs> um, so I don't gamble much. And, and heck, I did the um, Jaguars-Colts game yesterday on ESPN Radio, and that would be probably the one game that maybe I would have gambled on, and I'm glad I did because <laughs> that was shocking too. So, look, I, I, I certainly wouldn't put any money on either side tonight. I just believe the line is correct in saying that it will be a one-score game or less. Well, Sean, let's go back to that SEC championship game that you mentioned, Alabama beating Georgia 41-24 in that one. What did you learn about Georgia in that game, and what adjustments can they make from that game to hopefully beat Alabama tonight? I thought Georgia in that game um, found it difficult to play Alabama from behind, uh, especially in the second half. And I thought that they were a little conservative defensively against Bryce Young and that Alabama offense. So if I'm looking toward the matchup tonight, I think that Georgia needs to look at what Auburn, LSU to some extent, Arkansas a little bit. The teams that gave Alabama some trouble were very aggressive defensively, and I mean up front. I mean blitzing Bryce Young 
as much as possible. And as good as Georgia's defense has been all year, I mean, it's the best defense in college football. They were kind of middle of the pack when it came to their blitz rate. I think they need to up that and put Young under more pressure tonight. His yards per completion are significantly less when he's under pressure than when uh, teams don't blitz Bryce Young. He's a little more dangerous out of the pocket. They're going to have to contain him a little bit. But I think that Georgia defensively just needs to be more aggressive with regard to making Bryce Young uncomfortable as much as possible. And you would think, Sean, that they would be able to get pressure up the middle, and they didn't get a ton of pressure in the SEC championship game. But with Carter, and especially with Jordan Davis, you would think that they, if they want to apply pressure, that's where they could get it against Bryce Young. Yeah, I agree. And also, I think that one thing that Alabama did against Cincinnati was they recognized that Cincinnati had the two best cornerbacks in college football. They said, all right, well, great. We'll just give the ball to Brian Robinson and we'll just plow up the middle. And then we'll we'll also, you know, kind of pick apart the middle of the field as well with the passing game. And they're not going to be able to do that so much against Georgia and those linebackers and, and their defensive presence up front that you referred to. So that's an advantage for Georgia a little bit in that sense. One thing I think that has been somewhat underreported about Alabama is, is that they made an adjustment all the way back in the Auburn game with their offensive line. Alabama's offensive line most of the season was average at best. Um, but then they get Seth McLaughlin there at center, and they start moving some guys around at right tackle, and it seemed to make a real difference. And then we saw the manifestation of that not only against Georgia, but then in the semi against Cincinnati as well it really changed the way that they could go about their business offensively by those couple of adjustments on the offensive line. Now, of course, Chris Owens got banged up in the, in the semifinal. There's still some questions about Evan Neal and what he can be with a shoulder. So um, there's still question marks about Alabama's offensive line, but they're in better shape than they were earlier in the season. That's a wild card to kind of watch for tonight. And, Sean, along with the offensive line, we look at their running back situation, which is historically great. How does Brian Robinson and their their stack up of running backs compare to previous years at Alabama? Well, it doesn't compare a whole lot, other than Brian Robinson has really been good, especially later in the season. Fifth-year guy, but he's really, Randy, the only guy they've got. I mean, if you look at their depth chart the rest of the way, there's nobody else that should scare you or has the ability to scare you at running back. So it's Brian Robinson and that's it. And maybe that's good enough. I mean, the guy, you know, tore up Cincinnati, that, that opening drive that Alabama had in the semi where they ran it all, but one play, it was all Brian Robinson. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's not the road grader that they've had in the past. He's certainly not, you know, Najee <laughs> by any means, but he's good enough um, and has, you know, he has enough twitch. I, I know that's such an overused term now. He has enough twitch to make guys miss by putting his foot in the ground, but um, he's it. You know, if, if if Robinson were to go down or they find a way to hem him in a little bit, then now Bryce Young has to do more with his arm, and actually that serves Georgia well. Uh, John Mechie is, is a huge loss for them. We can certainly talk about Jamison Williams and how that's changed over the last couple of weeks. But uh, that's another that's another situation that the game can turn on whether or not Brian Robinson is the semifinal Brian Robinson or they find a way to make him a little more human. 
Sean, I wanted to talk to you about the dominance of the SEC. Here we have another national championship, another battle of two SEC teams. You have all of these programs out there throwing tens of millions of dollars, sometimes $100 million, at head coaches uh, trying to achieve some sort of parity in college football. But it feels like that's getting further and further away with the SEC just constantly reloading, especially Georgia and Alabama with the four- and five-star talent. So do you think that's a good or bad thing for college football? Yeah, I, I'm not so sure I know the answer to that, but it's clear. I mean, Alabama and Georgia are head and shoulders above everybody else. The difference between one and two and then three, four, five, six, all the way through is stark right now. And, look, coaching matters in college football. There's no doubt. That's proven, and you've got two of the best in the business, you know, going head-to-head tonight. Obviously, Kirby's off the saving tree, if you will. Um, but the talent level on both of these rosters is, is the real difference. I mean, talent wins these games. Now, I, I would say this, you know, we, we, if I can go off on one little tangent, you know, there's all this argument about should we expand the playoffs. The one argument would be, look, if we only have two dominant teams, then leave it the way it is. But at the same time, I, I mean, I just go back, think about this. If the Auburn running back takes a knee or goes down without going out of bounds, Alabama's probably not playing tonight mm-hmm. just because they would have their second loss. And yet you'd have to say that Alabama is still one of the four best teams in college football. So if we expand it to eight or 12, then Alabama's in and you still have the best teams playing for the championship. So that's, that's the difference between the conversation of there's two teams and everybody else, or it's razor thin and one play in the iron bowl could have determined whether or not Alabama's in or not in a field of just four, as opposed to eight or 12. So, that that's kind of where I stand. I just I actually did not answer your question at all. I just <laughs> actually fired a bunch of thoughts at you with regard to no, that. No, but they were great thoughts and great uh, discussion points in what is a, a pretty complicated conversation. But Sean, I did want to ask you about the news that's happening right now. So in kind of a surprising move, Brian Flores was fired by the Miami Dolphins, and a lot of people are trying to connect the dots to Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan coach, because the Dolphins owner Stephen Ross obviously has connections to Michigan and therefore to Harbaugh. And whether or not it's the Dolphins' job, there's been a lot of speculation that this season might be the season that Harbaugh makes a leap back to the NFL. Do you think that that's a good time for him to do that? He's taken a lot of heat at Michigan, but based on what we just talked about, the lack of parity and really competing for a national championship in college football, even with one of his best Michigan teams, do you think that he'll ever really be able to get there as the coach of Michigan? Or do you think it's better off if he goes back to the NFL? It's a tough conversation. Look, I mean, Unfortunately, the three of us have been doing this long enough that, A, it's a positive because we have seen history, but we also know that money drives everything. And don't ever forget this is the entertainment business. So um, Harbaugh takes a pay cut and then has success in Michigan this past year. Is all this talk about Harbaugh going back to the NFL a play to recover some of that money he gave up at Michigan? That's the cynic in me. The other side, though, would be this. Um, as long as Ohio State is in that same conference and as long as Ohio State is the arch rival of Michigan, Harbaugh's got his work cut out for him in a big, bad way. And there is that. Harbaugh had tremendous success as an NFL head coach, unlike many other college coaches who have made the jump once or twice. So you'd have to say that Harbaugh would be successful at the NFL level. That's already been proven. And, yes, there are ties to the Miami folks. The Chicago thing could be intriguing as well as now. Nagy's out and Ryan Pace in Chicago. So that's a clean slate. All those things play into it. If I'm Jim Harbaugh and I'm looking at NIL 
and transfer portals and and having big bad Ohio State in your conference maybe maybe I make that jump back to the NFL but at the same time he's a big culture guy and he now has reestablished a Michigan culture that has made their alumni and fan base pretty proud after what he accomplished this past season. Sean Kelly, it's great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for taking some time with us uh, this morning here in St. Louis and enjoy the national championship game tonight. Let's go blues. And uh, yes, I will enjoy the football game tonight as well from the comfort of my home. All right. Take care, Sean. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.